I think I think they want to stay. Is that it? Yeah. They want to stay. Yeah. That's an endorsement. Oh goodness, that's fantastic. Okay, let's hear from the Word of God. We're going to be reading from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and uh, from verse 11 onwards, which I don't know what page it's on in the church Bibles <laughs> from memory. So 2 Corinthians 5, beginning at verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade people. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we're out of our mind, it's for the sake of God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Good morning again, people. This clicker, which is stuck together with sellotape, is now so badly broken that the little doofer on the side is also invisible, and you have to try and... I think we need a new one, somebody. <laughs> so my job um, this morning is just to give us a bit of a recap of these last few weeks um, when we're thinking about the art of connecting. So we started off talking about the fact that it's three-story evangelism that we're concerned about together. It's about our story their story, and of course, God's story. So we started off talking about our story, and the key thing I think that we took away from that was that we need to have that live connection with Jesus, that our journey of life needs to be up to date so far as our relationship with Jesus is concerned, that it's great if we have a story that comes from 10 years ago or 20 years ago or even 50 years ago, but we need to have the stories that are up to date for last week, for this week, for today, that live connection with Jesus where our relationship with him is ongoing and real and vigorous and alive, not just something that sounds vaguely historical to people who might listen to us. That story of our connection with Jesus is really, really important. And then we went on to talk about their story. And we asked the question, who do you connect with? 
Who do you connect with? And we realize that there are so many people that we connect with. There's the close people, our friends and family and immediate work colleagues. But then beyond that, there's another net of people. And beyond that, even acquaintances, people that we might meet in the corner shop, people that we connect with. Actually, when we think about it, it's not difficult for us to have connections with people. We have lots of connections with other people. And through that, we gain some knowledge of their story. We were talking about their story and about how do we engage with that. And there's some key aspects of that that we reminded ourselves of. First of all, it's the power of love. We are not using this as some kind of marketing exercise or a sales pitch. We are sharing a story with them that is the best news in the world because we love people, because every person is made in God's image and valuable to him. Part of that is also the impact of the way we serve people, whether that's a one-to-one basis or through things like food bank and cap, where our serving people, because we love them and we care about them, opens the doors for us to share something of the story of God with them. We talked about the importance and the power of listening, that we need to listen with our ears and our mind, that we need to be present fully to people, that we need to see what they're saying as well as hear what they're saying, that we need to focus on them and we need to feel things in our heart, that proper listening involves all of those aspects of who we are and that's the key way in which we connect with other people and their story. And out of that comes the need and the power of authenticity, about being who we really are, about not trying to be perfect, about sharing our vulnerabilities and our weaknesses and our brokenness because that's where we encounter Jesus and he touches our lives. And you always need a quote from Dr. Zeus. Today you are you, that is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. This is who we have to bring, isn't it? To those relationships, to those connections. Me, who I am today. I cannot be any other than that today. Me in whom Jesus hopefully is working. My connection with him. That's true for all of us. We bring ourselves to this connection. And then Phil went on last week to talk to us about the importance of God's story. Of God's story in it all. Our story, their story, and God's story, the big story that God created us to be in relationship with him perfectly, to have that perfect live connection with him, that because of sin, because of the fall, we have been separated from God, that there is a chasm that's grown up between us, that we are broken, our relationships are broken, our relationship with God is broken, but he has sent Jesus to be one of us, to stand in our place, to die on the cross, to take our sin and guilt and shame, to redeem us, to reconnect us, to reconcile us to God our Father in heaven, to restore us so that one day we will be perfectly connected to him and to all those who follow him forever. And that's our hope. This is God's story. This is the good news. This is what we have to share with those around us. So we have my story, their story, and God's story. And we're looking at the overlaps, aren't we, between those things, the overlaps in our stories. My story and God's story. You know, that's key, isn't it? That's a key overlap. 
If your story and God's story have not overlapped yet, well, then that's like the first point, isn't it? That's the key thing first, that our story and God's story overlap. Ian, can you pull the blind, please? Because there's lots of people squinting at me. Thank you. My story and their story, if we're not relating to anyone else, which I think is probably almost impossible, but if we're not, there can't be an overlap between my story and their story. Keep pulling. Let's talk amongst yourself whilst the blinds close. (laughs) Is that all right? Is that better? And then the third overlap is God's story and their story, where we're looking to see that overlap happen. So it's not just my life and God's story, but their lives and God's story. Those are the overlaps that we're looking for. So we have our story and their story. And God's story. And we're looking for that place where all three stories overlap. We need to create as many overlaps as possible. If we want to share the good news, we need to create as many overlaps as possible. So our experience of God's story needs to be live, because otherwise that's not really going to create an overlap. But we need to be relating to people who don't already know God's story in order for there to be those overlaps. It's in that place where evangelism takes place best, because we are being real, they are being real, and God's story is about real life, about how the experiences of our lives where we encounter God where we pray, where we sense his presence, encounter the real experiences of other people's lives, and they see that Jesus is real. It's in that space that evangelism takes place best when we're closely connected to each other. I'm not lobbing something from a distance, hoping that it might meet a target somewhere, who will probably just duck. I'm not shouting things that are irrelevant to that other person because our lives are connected together. I know what I need to speak about. I know what I need to share. It's in that place where evangelism takes place best. This is really important as well. This is not just about me. This is a massive relief. It is not just about you. That's also a massive relief, however wonderful you are. The Holy Spirit is essential in making Jesus real to people. Some of the stories we've already heard this morning at the 9.15 have talked about the word revelation, being revealed. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? To make Jesus real to people, to make their eyes open to who he is, to bring that sense of conviction in their hearts. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So it's not just all about us and this experience and working harder. It's also about the purposes of the Holy Spirit in the overlaps between our stories. Well, it's not actually, because we're going to sing a couple of songs. But in a moment, it's going to be story time. That's why we've set out church a bit differently this morning. And uh, we have invited, or a few people have volunteered, and some have been been volunteered, um, to share something of their story. But there's also, possibly, depending on how long it goes on, an opportunity for you to share your story, either to text in, because we're really high tech here, 
and say, I've really got something that's burning in me that I would love to just share. Is that okay? Or you might text in the whole story, depending on how long it is, and then we might be able to share that. Oh, yeah, please put your name on it, because then if we don't like you, we cannot have your one. Is that what you meant? Oh, no. <laughs> then we'll know who to pick on. Um, and depending on how much enthusiasm, you, we may not be able to choose anyone, and that's not perfect, uh, personal. So we're going to have story time in a moment, but that just gives you a chance as we're listening and as we're worshipping to think about whether there's something that you would like to share as well. Catherine. Thankfully, I can share what I would like to share that um, goes with this song. And I haven't got to text it in because although Ian's really good with technology, I'm, a, I'm not very good. <coughs> it drives me mad. So here's what I wanted to say. Um, yeah, this song, I think the very last two lines really. Um, from time to time, quite a bit sometimes, I went to church growing up. Um, and so I knew the good news. I think I must have heard it. Um, but I th when I was about 12 or 13, unfortunately, I can't remember the exact date. I know it was in May, but I don't know which year because uh, I wrote it in the front of my Bible at the time and that Bible um, was paperback and the page has since vanished but I was around 12 or 13 and someone came to our church I can't remember the man's name but it was the year before Mission England and there was a mission to where I come from Mission Goldston and I think that was the first time I connected with God's story, when I actually connected with it. And I realized, uh, the man said, he had a beard, um, that God loved me, and that if I was the only person on the earth, he would have died with me. And I guess really that, yeah, that was the day that I first properly connected with God's story. So the last lines of this song, you took the fall and thought of me above all. Um, yeah, that's what I wanted to say, so I haven't got to text it in. Lovely. So, you got that text number on the screen, ready to text in your exciting stories. Um, we are going to invite those who volunteered and been volunteered to come to the front. So, can we have Steve Haynes, yep. Sarah Murray, Esther Peterson, and Dave Sage. Let's show them a bit of encouragement, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. The stools at the back are called Dennis, by the way, so if you want to speak to them by name. They're both called Dennis. Okay. <laughs> well, this properly feels like Graham Norton, doesn't it? <laughs> Hello there now. Okay. <laughs> so thank you so much for, uh, for, um, for being volunteered, Dave, uh, for everyone else volunteering. Um, it's really great to have... We're, we're really excited to hear some of your stories. Um, what we'd like to know is... Um, 
how did you first connect? What was the first connection point you had with Jesus? It's not, it's not the full kind of, you know, sinner history, but um, <laughs> what, what was the first connection with the gospel? Where was it? Let's uh, start with Esther. You have microphones, by the way. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I grew up in a Christian home, which is probably a good starting point, and I've never been at a point where I wasn't aware of God. I don't remember any point where I didn't actually sort of believe in God, but I didn't really have it as something that was real for me, if that makes any sense. Um, I had the strength that my parents brought, uh, brought us up that every night we would read the Bible together, children's Bible, so it was understandable, and pray together, and that was something that I think has been a real strength. But it wasn't until I was about 12 that um, we had a English teacher who decided that we'd learn about debating, and he decided we'd debate the existence of God. For some reason, this annoyed me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, God exists, but I need something. Yes, I know there's all this stuff in the Bible, but I go to this sleepy Anglican church where we sing these hymns that all sound the same and the building's freezing cold, and my experience isn't really anything like what I read in the Bible. So I went to my mum and said, is there anything a bit more up to date that shows God working in the world? And she gave me a copy of The Cross and the Switchblade to read. <laughs> so... I read through that and suddenly realized there was something a bit more important and yeah. it was a bit more real. Fantastic. We won the debate. <laughs> and at some point around that time, I started reading a bit more and realized that it took more than just thinking and believing, but it actually took commitment. And so prayed a prayer of commitment, but I didn't feel any different. So I prayed a number of prayers for commitment over a period of time yeah, yeah. because I didn't feel any different. And it's only really looking back that I realized that God was working in my life even before I'd actually got to that point. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Sarah, do you want to give us a little bit of update? Esther, do you want to pass it on? So, again, I've, I've been brought up as a, in a Christian home and um, I had quite a significant event when I was 13, which I attended. And in that event, I committed my life to Jesus. And I... Um, experienced quite a dramatic um, feeling of, I suppose it was like joy, which lasted a few days. So it was quite um, significant in my life because I knew that something had changed. And then I'd say it was at university that that really, my relationship with Jesus accelerated and I ended up being the president of the Christian Union. Ooh. El Presidente. Well, we didn't know that. We do yeah, now. Yeah, we do now. Okay, good. So that was obviously a big part of my life at university and um, was involved in lots of different events as part of that. And then um, it's gone on from there as a journey of knowing God and choosing to um, live with him and Brilliant. Thank you, Thank sir. you so much. Let's go for Steve, shall we? I had friends who, were, uh, who went through a very difficult time, and she had had um, a faith, and the, the traumas that they went through rekindled her faith, and on the back of that, her husband came to faith, and he was a complete atheist before, and, and this change in him was remarkable, and it intrigued me, and he wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. Um, so on a on a Friday night, just before last orders, they uh, they invited me to church. They they picked their moment well. And I uh, why was that, Steve? I, I was probably a little bit worse for wear. <laughs> Didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, and I got a phone call on Sunday morning. I said, "Are you still coming?" And I thought, "Oh, I'm going to look really stupid if I don't." Care. <laughs> and I went and I bumped into Jesus. 
We don't endorse drunken evangelism, but um, <laughs> whatever works. Okay, brilliantly, thank you. Um, so again, I was brought up in a Christian home, um, and I think I suppose for me, we moved house and churches in my early teenage years, and we went from a very traditional Anglican church to a slightly different church, and I was invited to a Scripture Union holiday. And I remember, I'd always known about God and I'd known about Jesus, but people were being called to the front, you know, to make a commitment. And I was like, do I need to do that? And I was really confused. And I remember talking to one of the leaders saying, well, what is this all about? Um, and he said, well, that's fine. It's your story. It's okay. You don't necessarily need to do this, but, you know, where are you and what's going on? And I suppose from that point, that sense of assurance, and then throughout my teenage years and into university of just taking on my own faith from my parents' faith, exploring it, having all those turmoils as, as a teenager and working out who am I, what is it all about, what is life about. Um, so that's my story, really. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, I have the privilege of having Sarah in my small group. And uh, the other week when we were talking about the questions on the art of connecting, um, after a bit when Sarah was chatting away, I went, do you want to do the talks on this? Because, like, you've just got... Just a great story, and, and she's so natural about everything. And she was telling us, Sarah, weren't you, about a friend of yours um, who'd been texting you. So tell us a little bit about this friend and, and tell us about some of the things that have come from that, where your stories have overlapped together. Okay, so it's my friend um, who lives in the village that I live, Bradley, and uh, she's a mum. Her children go to school with my children. So we've done lots of social events with school stuff and with, with other mums in the evening. So I know really well, I've known her for two, three years. And um, as part of that, I suppose you share, you share your life and you share church and God. And Is she a Sikh? She's a Sikh lady. She's so. a Sikh lady. Um, so I think there's a natural kind of curiosity about the fact that I'm Christian and what um, some of the similarities and differences and kind of exploring um, what it means to her to have a faith and what it means to me to have a faith. Um, so I was think I was sharing in, in cell, she quite often will ask questions, really open-ended questions, which are like, what do you do in church? What is your role in church? What, um, you know, what happens? What happens in church? You know, why do you do it? So she'll text me these questions quite a lot. And and I obviously reply to them, but I feel quite confident that we'll have conversation because I know that because she's a good friend, there'll always be the next, mm. the next event, and there'll always be something. Um, so I invited her to come to the pumpkin party that Lauren organised and took a photograph of the little flyer and put it on the WhatsApp group. And so lots of the mums came from Bradley, and they loved it. Um, and even at that, she was sort of standing just there, and when the children were going next door to have their picnic, it was a picnic, was it? What was it? Like a Pizza. party tea, that was it, a party tea. And um, <clears throat> so, yeah, she said to me, after you'd given your little talk about Jesus and we'd watched the pumpkin cartoon, she said, she just stood there and she was like, so what is it all about? What is it all about? <laughs> and I had like three seconds, basically. <laughs> the children were on mass going for the party tea. So I just said something probably rubbish. And I said something like, oh, well, you know, it's just believing in Jesus. <laughs> That's kind of good, though, isn't it? That's well, a good I answer. Had literally had three seconds. But actually, before this day, I haven't even thought about that conversation because I see her all the time. It was just one of many. And I feel like although it's small conversations there will be a big conversation mm -hmm. but i might not be the one 
So you're planting a lot of seeds along the way. Seeds. Tell, tell us about, was it the school fair where she met your dad? Yeah, so we've been at Messy Church because there's a whole Messy Church circuit, which my children and I go to. So one in Skipton and um, Bradley Methodist and obviously one in Ingleton I go to. And I tend to fill the car up with kids because I think, well, if I'm going, I might as well take all the kids on the street because my friends um, who live on the street have children and we all play together. So anyway, we'd been at this event in Bradley and... Um, my dad was there, my mum and dad are Christians, and my dad was there because he'd picked the kids up from school and it was an after-school event. And I noticed this lady was in conversation for a long time with my dad. Sorry, am I talking forever? And um, afterwards, this lady came up to me and said, oh, your dad's so amazing, your dad's amazing. So I was thinking, why, why, why? But she said, <laughs> he's a nice man. But, <laughs> I, you know. And, uh, <laughs> It's this being recorded, isn't it? I hope so. Um, so when I, my dad had been sharing the fact that when I was a child, um, my mum and dad moved us all out to Africa, and we lived in Malawi um, in my primary school years. And he was telling her all about this decision and how they felt God had led them to that and how um, we were based on a, on a mission station with other Christians. And obviously not something that I talked about with her um, so I think it was just again just something that she was wondering about and questioning about and which was nothing to do with me it was just part of God's journey for her that's wonderful thank you I've got a just a, a, a LinkedIn story that's been sent in uh, someone told us about it earlier um, <laughs> Phil Nixon uh, told the story, just because it links really well with the kind of questioning thing. Uh, Phil was telling the story of how he um, was talking to a friend at work just literally last Wednesday. And uh, this friend at work knows that they like watching The Apprentice. So he said to Phil, are you looking forward to watching The Apprentice tonight? And Phil simply said, no, I'm going to sell group. So the guy went, well, what's that then? So Phil then told him what about going to a small group in response to, you know, the church meeting together and everything like that. And the guy said, so you like, you do more than a Sunday. <laughs> so Phil went, yeah. And then he went on to explain the kind of things that we get up to as a church, all the different aspects of, of our ministry, our outreach. And they mentioned that we have um, a team of ministers. And the guy said, well, how do you pay for that? I said, well, the, the church members pay. And he went, what, out of the room? Yeah, church <laughs> members pay um, out of their own pocket. No, we're very generous. You're very grateful. Um, and, he, and the guy said, really? And he said, yeah, how, how does that work? And Phil said, well, some people give as much as they want, but often people give a tithe, which is 10%. And he went, what, so you give 10% and your wife does too? Why? <laughs> And Phil went on and explained a little bit more, and, and the guy said, cracking answer, uh, it's not for me, can't afford it. But, <laughs> but that's a continuing conversation. Now, this guy knew that Phil was a Christian from quite a while ago, but this guy, who's 21 years of age, said that Phil was the first Christian he ever spoke to wow. in Britain. Now, he's probably spoken to other Christians, they just haven't kind of had a big, shiny rainbow cross on their chest or something like that. But he's actually got 21 years, and the guy said, this is the first time I've spoken to a Christian. So the guy was asking questions, and it's just literally answering them. Now, Dave, this, this kind of falls into your, um, 
your passion, I suppose, your, your approach. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you and, and your life connect people with God's story, how, how it overlaps? Okay. Um, I think what you're trying to lead to, so at university, I remember doing the whole mission thing, uh, being very enthusiastic, and it was all about learning two ways to live, working out how to succinctly get it across to somebody in a short pace of time and get them to pray the prayer. And that's what we did fervently. Um, and it didn't really work. Um, and I didn't really sort of connect with me because I'm much more of a person who would connect with people and try and share my life with them. So just finding random people and trying to tell them two ways to live and get them to pray the prayer didn't really connect. And I just thought, this, this, what is this about? Um, and I suppose the journey that Phil and I have had over the last few years, and, and God took us to Wooler to go and be part of some missional community activities. And I suppose the way we've seen it is that actually, if we concentrate on our own lives and do what we can, and we have that living relationship with God, and we tell our stories, because actually nobody can stop me telling my story. Um, if I tell my story and I listen to the other people's stories and listen to their, what's going on in their life, there's a real connection that can happen. And actually, if I get out the way of trying to convince people, actually the Holy Spirit and God can do that bit. So therefore, if I share my story, somehow that connects with them. Um, so sometimes, actually, I do the opposite of what I used to do, which is actually not answer the questions. And actually sort of just entice people and drop things in and let them mull on it. And, and they might ask another question and I go, well, you know, got to work that out. You'll leave it hanging a little bit. Um, and, and I know a couple of guys. So I went to a cafe. One of my experiences was I was self-employed, so I had a time available to me. And I went to a cafe to go and work. Um, and I just sat there drinking coffee. And over a period of a few months, there were a couple of guys that I kept on just bumping into and seeing. And I just thought, well, oh, this is interesting, isn't it? and we'd catch eyes and you'd have a bit of a chat. And over a period of about three or four months, we would actually meet up quite regularly and we'd end up, I'd put the laptop down, stop working and we'd, we'd start sharing. Um, and the weird thing for me was I was trying not to evangelize. <laughs> you know, I was just being there, being me, telling my story and connecting with these guys. And they're not, they're not like me. You know, there was a, an Irish entrepreneur who was retired and there was a guy who was in his mid forties who had MS and wasn't working. And, and throughout that whole thing, I don't have time to tell the whole story. But what was amazing to me was when I got out of the way, God did things. And, and I was sharing my difficulties of going to Wooler and doing this missional activity, and it wasn't really working, and it wasn't working with the group we were there with. And I was being honest with them, not really expecting anything. And blow me down, they turned around and said, but aren't we that? Aren't we that community that you're talking about? And, and I was completely gobsmacked, because I wasn't trying to do that with them. And actually what they were saying was, was that they'd never shared in the depth that they shared with other people ever in their life. Mm. And, and I was like, oh, okay, God. Yeah, you've got a different take on this than what maybe I had thought. And, and through that time of sharing, mm. they had ascribed God to it. So that's a little bit... Of my... Yeah, it's interesting that, that, that we've narrowed evangelism down to, to a set of of scripts in a way, but actually all it is is about sharing the good story. And when you're intentionally not sharing the, the script and you're sharing your story, it's more interesting, more intriguing. And I suppose the thing to say is, is that I would share it. You know, mm -hmm. I would wait for the question. It's that one Peter, wait, you know, always, have, always be ready to give an account of the hope that you have. Mm -hmm. So when they started asking questions, it's not that I would then be awkward. I would answer the question, but I wouldn't try and then give them everything. I'd answer the question from my own story, trying to apply it, and leave them with, with more questions. And I think it's that thing of when, when, 
their questions mean something because it's relating to their life, their story. They, have an an they want an answer. Yeah. And sometimes it's actually like, well, you wouldn't believe me. Even if I told you where that came from, you wouldn't, you, you'd think it's crazy. And I go, what do you mean? No, no, no. And, and I sort of bat it away and say, no, no, no. You just, just think it's nuts. Mm. And, and it's only when they're really gagging for it, they mm. really want what, what that thing is, they're then ready to actually receive it yeah. in some ways. You see why Jesus sometimes told people to go away. Yeah. He asks more questions. He's yeah. always given the answer. Yeah. It's like, well, you've asked that question. Well, here's another question for you that's and, a bit deeper. Yeah, and go away. Don't follow me yet until they were really wanting to. Uh, Steve, you had a slightly more direct experience. Do you want to share that? Uh, 1999, not, not that many years after I became a Christian, um, I went on a college course and I was the only guy on the entire course, which was interesting. And in the icebreaker, um, I really wisely decided to stand up and say, hi, my name's Steve and I'm a born-again Christian. <laughs> Why, I don't know, anyway. Um, but one of, the, one of the people there um, was quite amazed and, and thought it was very brave and it, it really, really touched them. And we went on to become very, 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 very good friends and have lots of discussions. And, and they would say things like, well, I'm a Christian. I've been baptized and confirmed. Um, so apparently, I apparently responded with something like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a relationship. Um, when, you've, when you've got it, you'll understand. And uh, in May, 17th of May, 2002, God revealed to her just how much he loved her, and she gave her life to Jesus. It, it wasn't me. Um, Christian friends of mine said, wouldn't it be great if she became a Christian? I was like, no, I like her just the way she is, thanks. Um, but God had other plans, and in 2006, we married. <laughs> so, there you go. So, I think you said the first service, be careful who you evangelize. Um, <laughs> But it was that kind of st just sticking your neck out and saying, this is who I am, kind of take it or leave it, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think it's in terms of be honest, just being honest about where you are. You know, if you're struggling, you're struggling. It's life. Everybody struggles. And, and in your honesty, you might be surprised how you connect with people. We've just, um, I'm struggling with this phone, it's so ancient, I can't work out how it works. Um, we just had a, a, a testimony from Peter, um, and uh, he's just saying when, when uh, God says he will provide, he can trust him. Uh, so Peter changed his work circumstances about a year ago now. And uh, they've just had uh, so much experience of God looking after them and providing for them. Particularly just one story recently was um, of doing some consultancy work and expecting a certain amount for it. Um, and then the check that Peter received was 10 times the amount that he was anticipating. Uh, so it's that up-to-date reality, isn't it, that we're talking about, the connecting realities where your story makes sense in the struggling things, in the challenging stuff, in the things where you're not quite sure how it's all going to work out. It's not always just the, the perfect um, scenarios really makes sense to people. Esther, sitting there very quietly... Esther, you work as a doctor. Uh, that has its own boundaries. Um, I don't know what you want to share with us this morning, but... Right. Well, being a doctor and the roles I have, obviously, there are some restrictions on what I can openly do within the consulting room. I'm also a GP trainer, and there are restrictions to a certain extent in terms of the position of my trainees, probably similar to how teachers are in the classroom. 
obviously my teach my trainees are adults and they're trained doctors, which does make a slight difference. And there's a few things that I found really that I think I've seen God working through me in. Uh, I mean, like other people have been, I've been through the Christian Union year of evangelism and trying to ram it down their throats kind of thing. I hate the word evangelism. I just felt so tense when I said that. But the idea of back gossiping about Jesus, I can do that. But anyway, the, um, uh, uh, the things that I've noticed most is, first of all, with some of my trainees, uh, I've had a couple of trainees now who've been, I'm on my third Muslim trainee now. And I'm always open about the fact that I'm a Christian. And it's actually given some really interesting conversations because, I'm, because I haven't known much about Islam. I still don't know a lot about Islam. So I ask them about what they believe. And they're happy to tell me. And then they're interested to know what I believe. And I found, like with your Sikh friend, that they're fascinated and often they haven't encountered other Christians before, particularly a couple of them have been overseas graduates. They've come to this country, they've heard it's a Christian country because that's what the country's supposed to be, and then they see the, the news, they see drunkenness, they see a lot of sexual immorality, they see things that they find very upsetting. This is a Christian country. And then actually finding somebody that says, yes, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I go to church, and this is how I live. They're actually really interested and you get things like, so what do you Christians think about alcohol then? <laughs> and just opportunities to share a little bit. And it's little seeds. I don't know where it'll go because they're only with me for a little bit and then they move on. But I've been amazed at the opportunities when I started with listening to them first. Mm. Yeah. The other area is, as a lot of you will know, Norm and I went through a lot of heartbreak mm. and still struggle a lot from time to time with the loss of our son, Matthew. Mm. And this is something that, again, while it's still something that's really difficult, does give me an opportunity sometimes when I'm dealing with people mm -hmm. who are suffering with bereavement yeah. or they've had a miscarriage or um, just in those kind of situations, being able to say, I've been through mm. something like that mm. too. And... In those situations, I can put in a bit about faith mm -hmm. because that's how I cope. Mm -hmm. Thank you, yes. Thank you for your vulnerability and sharing that story mm -hmm. as well because you know, that's a tough thing to do. But you're right, it's in the vulnerable places. They're coming alongside. They're not trying to be better than or, you know, that it's Jesus walking with us in those things. That's really, really powerful. So thank you for sharing that. David, you wanted to share something that connected yeah, with Yeah, it connects that? with those two things. One, which is about authenticity. I think sometimes we think of evangelism as, as, as us not showing ourselves, but showing the gospel and all of its goodness. Mm -hmm. And actually, that, <clears throat> that in itself is good because it's about fact and head stuff. But if we're connecting with people, if we, if we only show them the positive, mm -hmm. we can set people up for not really understanding what it's about. Absolutely, and actually, yeah. they don't take it on board. So like Esther was saying, you were saying, if we, show, if we share our whole lives, the difficult bits and the positive bits, actually it becomes much more authentic. Mm -hmm. And actually what i found is that you connect with people in those more difficult, gritty bits of life because people don't share those. There's either going to be judgment or actually we keep it to ourselves, we're very British. And actually if we share that stuff in a, in a sensitive way, people connect, it drops the guard, mm -hmm. and then there's an opportunity to talk. And I suppose the other thing that Esther was saying that I would really chime with is that it's about permission. 
So I think in the old, in the, in the old we talked about university days, you don't seek permission. You don't have permission. You just keep telling them. Um, and actually, again, I, that doesn't... The, the guards go up. People don't respond. So I think the thing we found is that if you build relationship without a big angle, mm -hmm. actually, if we share life, um, then, then permission is given and questions are asked. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you can respond rather than you forcing it. Actually, people... People do question. I mean, this is the thing, this is all of our experiences, is that as soon as there's a little chink, you'd be amazed at how people are really intrigued or want information yeah. or don't know, don't understand. Yeah, I had that question as well. Mm. So it's trying to get to the point in the relationship of authenticity where that's allowed to be said. Yeah. And I think that the danger often that we, that we can fall into is there is a chink. So instead of putting a, a small little needle-like precision instrument, now's the moment. That's that's go in and get, give it to the whole, and and that can be really counterproductive. Whereas the leaving the little little drip or just kind of uh, guiding someone along. And actually, then it's about listening because they know. You know, okay. Sometimes God might give you a word of knowledge. You might know something, but actually, they know their life. They know what's going on. Yeah. And you have to let them open up to what's actually important. Because yeah. I know what was important to me in my relationship with God, but that's not the same as everybody else. Mm. So if I just keep telling how I connected, well, that isn't going to connect with them. Yeah. But so I have to allow myself time to listen to where they are, mm. to understand what's going on for them and how they would connect. Yeah. And then actually, it's not for me to go, oh, and this is the answer. You know, that, again, that's them and the Holy Spirit. I can say, well, look, this is what happened for me. Yeah. And here's some facts, maybe. Mm. But actually, all I can do is sort of point you in a direction. And that's the, that's the state of our culture today, which is that we're meant to accept everyone's stories, which some people originally thought that would be a threat to Christianity, but as an open door, yeah. is that you have to listen to my story. And I think you're absolutely right. Is the, the, the worrying bit is if we... We promise too much and almost false advertising that come to Jesus and everything will be all right. Whenever Jesus said, come to me and you're going to have a harder time. Um, sacrifice. Yeah. And, you know, like the guy was saying about giving and stuff. Actually, those things we think are less attractive. Actually, it's the upside downness. The gospel yeah. is upside down. So instead of us trying to share the things that to us are obvious, actually, it's those things that we think we want to hide, are the things that actually are attractive. It's the, yeah. it's the... We've got a couple more texts. Oh, have you? Okay, so we have, um, being a new mum, I'm starting to make more friends who don't know God more than I have in 10 years. Um, um, other mummies. I have been meeting up with a mummy in the next street who happens to be Polish. I asked her what Christmas is like in Poland, and it led on to briefly talking about religious culture and me going to church. Later, I got a text saying she really wants to know more about my church. Uh, next time we meet up, please pray about that conversation. And that's from L. That's a surprise, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, well. that's a surprise. Um, a slightly more direct one, slightly uh, entertaining. Stuart Heenan, who, who many of us have heard, Stuart's story, um, how he came through the CAP and, uh, and committed his life and then was on the main stage of CAP's gathering. Um, he told me this story just the other day, and he said I could share it with you because he couldn't be here today. He said he was out socializing with friends, and if you know, if you know Stuart, he's not a small guy, and he's quite tough-looking. Um, he's a big guy, and when he was out with his, his mates, one guy who owns kind of a nightclub said to him, listen, mate, come along, let me give you a job as a bouncer. Stuart's answer was, no, I'm with God now. <laughs> and the guy went, oh, okay. Um, 
That's the paraphrased version. But he just said, no, I'm not going to do that. Because he knew what that would involve. And he said, no, I'm with God now. Unashamedly saying, that's who I am now. And the guy had to take it. And uh, believe me, I, w- I would go, okay, Stuart, um, from Stuart as well. But that's, that's, that's kind of a good thing. And Mick has texted in about um, Sister Act, where Mick dressed up in spangly clothes. Um, but it was about being a presence, Mick. Wasn't that what we were saying? For everyone else as well, mate. Brilliant. Yeah. So opening up the door and just leaving it hanging there. It's Super. So, it's so often our hang-ups that get in the way. It's so often our thinking about, if I was to offer to pray, that would be a bit weird. Actually, it's not. You know, we've offered to pray for people, and, and we've been quite tentative. And, and, and everybody's gone, yeah, that's great, can you please? And I think it's, I don't know whether it's our own lack of confidence, or whether it's, you know, we can't push this on people, Actually, I think things have changed in the last five or ten years because people don't know. They don't know the story of Jesus. They don't know what prayer's about. So as long as we're sensitive and we've got that relationship with them, we can offer those things. And okay, you've got to, if they say no, then that's fine. Leave it alone. <laughs> Not going to do it anyway. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, but, it, but again, we've been amazed by people who've said, yeah, actually, can you pray about this difficult situation? And we go, great. Weeks later, they say, there's, there's been a miracle. And it's like, okay, you can say that. I'm not telling you that this is a miracle. You're yeah. actually saying this is a miracle. Yeah. It's like, oh, great. Okay. Brilliant. Confirm it. We can ask them. Steve, give us something that we can go away with because you all shared some brilliant things. You've got 20 seconds, all of you, 20 seconds each to say something to take away. Be yourself. God made you who you are. You are the perfect person in that situation. Just be yourself. Be real. Answer the question. David, 20 seconds, tops. Um, don't worry. When you see us saying these things, you might think, oh, I'm not like them. And that's how I was. Don't worry about it. Just be you and allow God to be him. And for, God to, for the things that are responsible for God, God's responsible for, let him be responsible for them. Mm. For the things you're responsible for, you're responsible for them. And for the person who you're speaking to, they have responsibility. So don't worry. Don't look at us and go, I can't do that. Their stories are great. Isn't that brilliant? Just do your thing. Esther, I don't know where the mic's gone. Oh, you've got them. Yeah. I'd just like to echo that. It, um, it's not about you. It's about him. And remember, the person that you're with, God loves them just as much as he loves mm. you. And that is more than you can possibly ever imagine. Mm. Sarah? Um, I think just be aware that you are just a tiny thread in mm. this big picture that God is weaving. And... Um, that you're just that bit of overlapping, you know, the bit in the on the diagram. And I just see that I've seen that so many times in the lives of my friends that I'm just a bit of a bigger picture of what's going on. Fantastic. Um, one of the things that is so good is that these are normal stories, mm. and uh, and that they're dot dot dots. They're not finished yet, and they're not the ones where people at the end have got down on their knees and proclaimed. Um, 
they're works in progress, as we all are, and, and that's fantastic. Can we show our appreciation to our, to our guests, please? Thank you very much. So just a, a couple of things uh, to finish off, really. Um, I hope that you found the last few weeks to be challenging. Um, we've tried to make it slightly less challenging than when you first heard the word evangelism on week one, but we hope that you still feel challenged. Um, we don't want everyone to feel so comfortable that they just don't do anything. We want to move all of us out of our comfort zone and to feel a bit like, yeah, I want to get more real with Jesus. I want to have more stories to share. I want to invest more in my relationship with Jesus so that it's authentic, so that when I make these relationships and people ask me questions, I have something to say. I want to be challenged to really get serious about this. So uh, we hope that you feel at least a little bit challenged by what we've been doing over the past few weeks. I hope that you also feel inspired. I've um, listened to, uh, to Phil's sermons, uh, and even slightly my own, and to the stories. And actually, I feel a bit more inspired than I felt for quite a long time about the fact that we have good news to share with people. And I hope that this morning you found that inspiring. You think, well, I could, I could answer a text question. I could say what my church does. I, I could do those things. I could share something of where I am at at the moment in my life. And that you feel inspired to be maybe a little bit braver than perhaps you've been up to date. We also hope that you feel empowered. We started um, the series talking about all the reasons why we feel afraid, that we've got to come up with all the right answers and we've got to be able to answer the really difficult questions about why there's suffering in the world. And we've got to know it all in a kind of way that has chapters and verses attached to it. And we feel scared and we think we're waiting for the moment and all those things that prevent us. We hope that you feel a bit empowered that this is about sharing your life with somebody else, mostly who you know, also life. And because Jesus is part of your life, there being that connection between those stories. So we hope that you feel a bit more confident, that you feel a bit more able, that you feel a bit freer to be yourself, the person who walks with Jesus every day, and see that making a difference in other people's lives. We hope that you feel those things, um, empowered to be witnesses to Jesus, to talk about him and your experience of him. And just finally, uh, using uh, stealing from an advert, there's a bit of this. Sometimes we just need to just do it. You know, not think, oh, I'll read another book, or I'll learn some more answers, or I'll wait until I'm a better Christian, or I'll wait until... or. I'm sure other people will do it instead of me because I'm really not that great. You know, just do it. Um, all four of the people said, and, and at the 9.15, be yourself. If you're an introvert person who knows Jesus, there's lots of introvert people out there who don't know Jesus yet who'll relate much better to you than someone who's really loud and noisy. If you have... Sorry, that's a really harsh way of describing extroverts, wasn't it? <laughs> Oops, spot the introvert. <laughs> Uh, if you're someone who's grown up in a church-going kind of family, there's lots of other people that are like that who haven't yet encountered Jesus. If you're going through a difficult time in your work, there's lots of other people that are like that. If your family is a bit all over the shop, there's lots of other people who are like that. So that's where it's like, just do it. 
don't wait. The experience you have now in your life, you're there for a reason in the middle of that experience. So just do it. Connect people with you and with Jesus, because that's what it's really all about. Catherine.